Welcome to For the Record, behind-the-scenes insider podcast with Colin McCall, where we take a forward-facing look at your environmental requirements and help you make your EHS program an indispensable and strategic part of your company's growth. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter. And now, here's your host, Colin McCall. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Stephanie Taylor as my guest. She is All Fours Digital Solutions Practice Director, and I think you're in for a really good session. Stephanie has been working in digital solutions for a few decades now, so she's been doing this for quite a while. She was doing digital solutions even before it was as cool as it is today, and so she brings a lot of insight in this space in terms of helping helping companies really transform what they're doing from a digital perspective. And we're going to hear more from her about what digital solutions means, what it is, what companies use it for, what some of the tools that are available are. So if you're a listener out there that's contemplating your EHS data or your sustainability data or your ESG data and how you could better utilize it, I think you'll enjoy this podcast and hear some informative things. Stephanie sits in Austin, Texas, so she's coming to us live from Austin. Stephanie, anything else you'd like to say in the way of introduction to yourself? Well, I'd like to go back to just maybe two decades instead of a few. (laughs) Uh, No, no, I think we'll learn more about the team through the the questions and answers today, Colin. All right. Sounds good. Sorry, I dated you. Um, (laughs) All right. So, Stephanie, let's, let's get into it. Let's just go through. Let's start with the very basics. When we talk about digital solutions, that sounds like a broad term, but what does it mean? What does it mean in this context that we're going to discuss it in? So I do try to describe this to people so it isn't such a nebulous concept, but really what we're talking about is a combination of a database as the back-end sort of storage of the data, and then an application, which is where you're going to have a user interface where folks can enter data, see data, manipulate the data if they need to. So really those two things together make up these digital solutions. Now, there is one other element that's really come onto the forefront in the last few years, which is a mobile app, which is usually part of these digital solutions and is allowing people to get data into these systems more quickly and easily and have a a broader pool of contributors to the data. Stephanie, I mentioned some of the categories before EHS and sustainability and ESG, but let's dig into that a little bit more. What, generally speaking, in your work, what type of data, what type of information are companies utilizing their digital solution systems to to evaluate? What's what are the categories? So this is a, I think this is a kind of unique feature of the solutions that we work with and we recommend to clients and we implement. The content is extremely broad. You know, digital solutions can be your finance system, they can be your payroll, your HR, but when you think about it, those are pretty focused. The content is pretty specific in those systems. On the EHS and even EHSQ side, where some companies um, also include their quality data management, it can cover everything from 
incidents to behavior-based safety observations, audits, compliance content, air emissions, waste management, water, and, you know, ESG and sustainability are really often reported out of these systems. So it's probably, you know, I can say this with some confidence, it's probably the broadest spectrum of content is around these types of solutions. And what are folks doing with the data. So we talk about digital solutions. We talk about some of the platforms that are available. What are some of the goals that companies have? They're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to implement a new digital system. What are some of the goals? Is it, you know, is it benchmarking? Is it, what, what are they? Kind of, what are, what are some of the areas of focus that, that people have? Um, so it's kind of evolved. Um, in the early days, these were mainly compliance tools. It was basically ways to get stuff to agencies, to the state or the federal jurisdictions. Primarily, it supported compliance assurance. I think most companies with the investment that's involved and the concepts of big data and being able to be predictive and proactive, um, it's really being multi-purposed now. Not to say that the compliance aspect isn't important. It can drive these projects. But being able to do many of the things you mentioned, benchmark against others, measure their performance against their own internal KPIs, um, do internal reporting, and then even try to use this data, um, again, to be predictive and proactive. In the, in the health and safety side, it might be avoiding injuries or accidents. On the environmental side, you know, being able to operate to the limits of the compliance program and kind of figuring out how to stay within the compliance lane, but be as productive as possible. And then, you know, some of this is actually finding its way into um, the risk management or the risk profile of organizations, looking across all the different types of risk and the level of risk. And everyone has limited resources. It's helping people figure out where to allocate resources to reduce risk. So thinking about the areas of focus that companies have, where they can use this, what are the things I was curious about? And you started to allude to it. I mean, digital tools have been available for a while, a couple decades, few decades, whatever, every far back you want to look. But it's, it's becoming a bigger focus. And I think you started to mention some of the, the reasons for that. But what are some of the – let's looking at that a little more. What's happening externally out there? What are some of the drivers as to why companies seem to be more focused on undertaking these efforts now than maybe they ever have been in the past? And what's some food for thought that listeners can consider around that? Uh, so there's a, I'm thinking of a many different answers to that one, and I think they are all applicable. First of all, the technology has advanced to the point where there's cloud infrastructure. Um, people can, you know, use the cloud to better manage their data. It reduces the strain and stress on their own internal IT. Um, it eliminates the need for them to constantly be keeping up on the latest technology. They can kind of kind of outsource that and and reduce the cost of, of ownership that way. Um, so I think that's one reason. And there's even some ancillary things like the mobile apps coming forward. So on the technology side, I think that supported the increased interest and use. On, you know, the more functional side, uh, there's things, you know, it, the Wall Street is influencing 
ESG performance and metrics and and shareholder investment. And that's making obvious to companies that they really need to collect data with a lot of rigor, with audit trail, being able to substantiate the numbers that they're publishing. And, you know, you just can't do that in ad hoc workbooks that are maintained at the site level, where whoever created the workbook leaves and then someone has to create a new workbook. Um, so, you know, I just think some of the, using sustainability in another way, there are more sustainable solutions that, you know, people can validate their numbers and feel comfortable in what's being published. Um, so I think that's, that's another thing. And then third, I'd say people are realizing not to um, silo their data. So they're realizing that the data can be repurposed and reused by different groups. And that's encouraging more data collection and more of these tools being used. Yeah, it's been interesting. We've had a number of these episodes in the past where we've talked about just on the in the environmental lane event where we've talked about environmental justice. We've talked about things that EPA is doing around electronic reporting. We've talked about you know greater public access to information, and that's just. The episodes we have have just been in the E-lane, really, on that. Yeah. But we know that's happening more holistically, too. So certainly the time is is right. What tools – let's talk tools a little bit. You know, Broad question, I know. But generally speaking, what tools are available for companies that want to undertake a digital effort? What tools do they have out there at their disposal? So usually – Companies are going to go down one path or another for their basic decision about customizing, building something from scratch, or going with a commercially available solution. Whichever route they take, there's some chance that they'll have bits and pieces that come from the other side of the fence. So most people have a bit of a a hybrid approach where commercially available tools solve some of the requirements and then they have to, you know, home grow some things or use Microsoft suite and different, different other products to fill some gaps in what they're looking for. And there's always a handful of vendors that'll, um, you know, score well through analyst reports and are have a wide client base, but technology changes quickly and that list can change. You know, it's not a static list and the commercially available solutions sometimes focus on a core area that's, you know, sort of the heart of what they offer. Maybe it's health and safety suite and they do a little bit on the environmental side. The flip side can also be true. And then there's a handful of vendors that have decided to, you know, try to have a broad platform that can be successfully deployed across both areas and in even an inequality I mentioned, you know, people that have their quality management system enabled in these. So there are commercially available systems at all levels. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes these are purchased at a site level, but more and more we're seeing this as a business decision for the corporation. So they can aggregate and look across. And there's a handful of vendors that score well across all the subject areas and then some that do well on a more focused need. Stephanie, if a company's looking to sort of revamp, create something new, they want to implement one of these tools, there's maybe some external drivers or, you know, whatever the reason may be that's really driving that decision to kind of bulk up on the digital side. And they're thinking about the process of implementing a solution like this. And I'm asking this question from the standpoint of, this could be a team like you have helping. This could be a team that companies have, you know, that's internal, that's doing the implementation. 
that implementation team, what do you need to have in that implementation team? What do you what skill sets are required for the people that are actually helping a company through that process of identifying a need and then taking that and and incorporating it into a system? What do the skill sets look like? That's a great question. It's something that, you know, it's kind of how our, our team evolved was because the recognized need of this skill set, which is a little unique. The team needs to have IT professionals on it because there's going to be integrations, there's going to be custom reports. You know, there's a definitely an IT skill set. Knowledge of the solution that's being implemented because they're all a little bit different in how they how they function, how they should be uh, the best practices in, in implementing them, and then the subject matter expertise in the area is extremely important, and that's kind of why this this sort of practice has grown up is because you need people who either understand the environmental regulations and requirements or the health and safety or if it's the quality program. You need people who talk that talk and can make sure that the configuration of the system will enable those work processes and workflows. And then a couple other elements of the team, project managers who actually have managed these sorts of projects is valuable. It's a it's a combination of an environmental health and safety project and an IT project, and that requires a, some specific experience. And then business analysts is a role that we have learned over time is really an invaluable part of this process because you can improve your workflows, you can improve your processes, you can take these projects as an opportunity to harmonize or standardize um, some of these things that aren't really necessarily directly related to the tool that you're configuring, but it's a good opportunity to look back and say, you know, are we operating in a lean way? Are we doing this the smartest way? Are we collecting data from the best place? And having business analysts involved in the process can really help with those discussions. Stephanie, what are the general steps in the process? And I'm, I'm speaking broadly because I know there's a lot of different things that that companies can do. Like you said, there may be an implementation that they want to pull their health and safety information into a system. There may be something where a company wants to get their permit, their air quality permit obligations into a platform and, and be able to kind of automate those and get workflows. So there's lots of different reasons why folks are implementing solutions like this. But speaking broadly, when you look at that implementation process, what are the general steps that tend to apply to any and all of them? You know, regardless of what type of, what what are sort of the steps that are important in the implementation process as companies are thinking about it? What should they really focus on covering in the process? So the really the fundamental step or the starting point is the requirements is just and and these are going to follow the project from the start to the finish. So it's really important to establish what the requirements of the system are and prioritize those things. Um, not everyone's going to get everything they want. It's just the nature of these implementations and especially at the enterprise level. There's going to have to be some consensus building and some give and take. And so establishing the requirements, if everyone just has them in their head and thinks everyone's on the same page, it's guaranteed that that's not the case. So you have to really document those requirements. The team has to agree on the relative merits of the requirements. And, and that even, you know, that weighs into the selection process. 
because some are going to be a better fit. Some some solutions are going to better fit out of the box, and that means it's going to be a less expensive solution, and that's going to help in the selection. And then from that point forward, those requirements, um, they need to be designed into the system. Most of these commercial tools are highly configurable, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, everybody's work process, workflow, the way they, what they care about is going to be different. Some of it's cultural, some of it's the industry they're in, the geography they're in. So you can't just turn on the system and expect it to work for you. So you have to get those requirements designed into the, into the system, built into the system, and then an approach we like to use is, um, we call it a hybrid waterfall agile, and I'm going to talk IT jargon for a minute here. But the, the main purpose of that is to continually show what's being configured so that people don't have something in their head that's different from what they're actually going to see when all the work is done. It's a feedback loop or mechanism where that can be incorporated into the work that's being done. So you still have time to shift gears and, and change direction and make some tweaks. So then after, after that point, training and, and testing has to go on. And this whole time, you're keeping in mind the requirements because you have to stay focused on what you were trying to achieve from the system. Make sure it's delivering on those things. And then typically there's a move from, you know, test instances, development instances into the live system. And, and many companies will elect to have enhancement cycles where as users start to use the system, they ask for other things, they ask for changes, and that needs to be rolled out in an organized way so that, you know, reports can still go to the state and the federal government and incident reports are still recorded and that sort of thing. Stephanie, what do you see for... For companies that are contemplating this, I'm curious, what do you, is there a trend out there in when folks are approaching you, what part of the process are they generally in? Are folks looking to implement an entirely new system or have, have a lot of companies out there already implemented a system, but maybe they're looking to adjust it or tweak it or modernize it? What do you, what do you see more? Is it kind of a mix of a little bit of everything? I'm trying to give listeners some context for uh, how normal where they might be is. Uh, it is all over the place. Okay. <laughs> some have never used a system, and this is their first foray into a digital solution. Or maybe they've used a spreadsheet, and they want to you, you, you know, get something more holistic. There's folks in that boat. I would say there's been an increase. Um, everyone knows you were in the midst of Industry 4.0, the digital transformation across the globe. Um, I think just being in that environment, and as I mentioned, technology is really getting to the point where there's a lot more options. I think there's more people picking these kind of systems and moving forward with them just in the context of where we are um, you know, globally moving toward digital solutions and what they can do for you. But that aside, you can get a mix of where people are, where they're just looking for um, maybe a piece to pull in that they've been missing. They want to move something from manual to digital, and they have a foundation. They're looking for a little piece of the pie. Or it could be a rip and replace kind of thing where they're on an old technology, an old system, and they want to move to a new one, um, something completely different. And then there's also people that have a system and they just need some O&M support. You know, they, they need help kind of managing the upkeep of that system, either content-wise or with some updates to the configurations. 
So across the board. <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. I figured you'd say that, but I wanted to ask. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's helpful for folks to under, understand that because everybody is is somewhere on this and everybody is probably getting you know some sort of drive you know, to do something with, with their platform. So I think that's helpful. Yeah. I want to stick a, one more question on the implementation side of things. We talked about if a company is, is contemplating the implementation process, how should they view a team and what's important? Staying in that same thread, what about the stakeholders within the organization, within the organizations where, where you typically work? If, if I'm in a company and I'm contemplating an implementation process, who across the organization do I need to make sure I enroll? Um, so there's two elements of this, I would say. There needs to be executive leadership and support for the project. These can be large projects and they can, um, you know, they can take people away from their quote day jobs. So there needs to be commitment at the highest levels that this is important and that resources will be put behind this and, you know, in seeing the business case, seeing the value and what's going to be delivered. On the other side of the, the project team, um, there, if you don't have a good representation across the user base, then these projects are destined for failure. User adoption is one of the most critical elements. And if you don't involve people in the decision-making or people that represent a group of users or stakeholders, you will find that the user community won't use the tool and all that effort will be wasted. So it's really important to get, it may be geographic, it may be by business unit or operation. Um, and it depends on what, what, you know, try, what kind of solution you're trying to deploy but you need to be sure that you're getting good representation across all the people who either need to see the data, contribute to the data, or you know know the business decisions that need to be involved in configuring it. Stephanie, one final question. I'm going to have an upcoming episode with one of our new partners, ESI, E-H-S-A-I. So that's a, an artificial intelligence tool. So listeners will hear more about that for sure. What are some of the things that you see? I mean, that's that's one of them. What are mm-hmm. some of the things that you see in terms of how some of these tools will evolve? Like what's the next next two or three things that we should expect to see out of platforms like this that are going to continue to to change the the way these work and improvements that we're going to see? That's a, a very interesting question. And what we've seen so far there's, you know, the Internet of Things, I think, is going to be a major contributor because instead of data having to be manually entered or uploaded from spreadsheets and in kind of limited volume, I mean, you can only there's a limitation to how much of that data you can collect in that sort of format. Um, the Internet of Things where you can have, you know, um, you can have beacons and tags and wearables constantly collecting relevant data and that feeding into these systems and then being processed and visualized, I think, is going to be a major, you know, we're going to see a lot more of that. And when you think of the concept, for example, of an audit, an audit is a snapshot of a day in time. If you had data continually coming in about where people were, what were they wearing, body positioning, equipment, you know, the, the, the um, information on the process equipment in the area – 
the concept of an audit becomes a completely different thing where you, it's not a snapshot anymore. You can constantly be monitoring performance. And the idea of that is, well, then you come very proactive. You can recognize um, problems before they're problems. So I think the Internet of Things is going to be, you know, that's that use of that data and collecting that data is going to become more significant. And I think all these bespoke systems like the data that's collected upstream of these EHS, MIS solutions, the business intelligence tools that are on the other end of these systems, like just more integration and more sharing of data across multiple solutions, there's going to be more and more of that. And we're seeing that already with data lakes and data warehouses. You know, some of these have been around for a while, but they haven't really been fully used. Um, the full, full potential hasn't been realized yet of connecting all the, that data. Stephanie, I, I think this is actually my last question. What can you tell folks or share with folks broadly that are looking to implement, they're looking to change their systems, they're looking to do an implementation. What are some lessons learned? What are what are just some a couple of things that that you've observed in the past, either things that went real well and you said, wow, that's we need to capture that. That's that's a good thing. Or maybe things that they, that didn't go as well. And we said, okay, let's learn from that and let's make sure it's a watch out in the future. Are there a couple of things that just jump out at you that would be helpful to folks that are considering this that they should think ahead to? Yeah, I think I've probably strewn a few of these throughout some of the answers, but I'll sort of pull them together here at the end. The importance of defining the requirements up front is, is just critical to the success. If you, if, if that's not done well, nothing else will help, will turn out well. That's, so that's very important. Making sure that the team that you pull together is representative, they're participatory, you know, engaged in the process. So getting the right team together and making and right-sizing it. You know, if you have too many contributors, you'll make no headway. If you don't have enough, you don't have good representation. Um, so I think those are important. This one's pretty simple, but if you don't recognize that this is going to be very hard, it's going to be challenging and it's going to take time and it's going to take, you know, resource investment, then that can just derail the project as well. Like you really need people to understand it's not easy, <laughs> um, but but that, uh, you know, they'll be good, you know, there should be good benefit from it. The other thing that I, I would say is it's it's really important to focus on what the output what the output of the system needs to be, whether it's a dashboard, whether it's reports, whether it's some sort of real-time monitoring of things. But if you don't establish what you need that data for, you're just collecting it and you may never use it, which people find very frustrating. Or you may miss the opportunity to collect some worthwhile data. So really thinking about what is the whole purpose of collecting this? Will we actually use it? What's the value of collecting this on the output side? Can be really helpful. And then thinking, always being alert to your roadmap, like thinking about, okay, today, this is what we want to do. But in the future, we want all these other modules to be implemented, or we want to have integrations, you know, thinking big picture about a digital strategy. And even, you know, when you at the start of the project, thinking about ultimately, what do we envision this thing contributing to or being a part of, and getting that digital strategy in place where this is just an element of that. Stephanie, thanks for joining me. That's great advice. This is a timely topic. I know I've enjoyed learning more about it here over the last six or so months. 
And I hope that our listeners took a lot out of this as well. And I hope that everybody will join us as always next time. Thanks. You've been listening to For the Record Behind the Scenes Insider Podcast with Colin McCall. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter to get weekly news and articles on a variety of timely EHS issues. The content heard on this podcast is not intended to replace an evaluation of the specific projects and regulations that you are encountering at your company.